0: We're in 1 Peter. Yes, the Bible is going to get a look in eventually. Uh, We're in 1 Peter today. We've been flying through the Bible just uh, looking at each book. And and remember in your e-blast, I also warn you that we're doing 1 Peter, 2 Peter, and then we're doing Jude. And we'll come back to the epistles of John. The reason is 2 Peter and Jude are very, very similar. 1 Peter this week. Let's begin by reading a bit of this out of chapter 1, shall we? Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. (coughs) Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who, through faith, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is already to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while... You may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, you may not have noticed it. You may have read through this so many times, and you may, when somebody reads something publicly, your mind may immediately shift into neutral, which is a normal thing. That's why they, they'll tell you if you call into a radio show, don't read something, because it, it, people sense it and they tune out. So let me point out something I want you to go back and look at. It's very much like Hebrews 12 when we did that sermon. Because he says, you've received an inheritance which is being kept for you in heaven. And you have the salvation which will be re- it's, it's You've got it and you don't have it. It's coming. You've, it's in the past tense. It's in the future tense. With God, the concept of time is different. It dissolves. And here are scattered people, exiles, strangers. The worst thing you could do to a Jew was to take them off their land because their land was their history. That's why we had years of jubilee, to return the land to its original people so the people had their inheritance, their land. And here they are scattered all over. Now they have to wander the world. They're divorced from their land, their inheritance, and they would, they would think their future, their meaning, They're a very identity as a people. And yet, Peter tells them, you've already received your inheritance. You are presently receiving, in some versions, presently receiving the salvation of their souls. Have you ever asked anybody when you were, or had anybody ask you when you were saved? I've thought about that question a lot. Now, the legalistic answer is when I was baptized, and there's a lot of validity that because baptism is absolutely a part of the process and yet i look back to when i was baptized and then i look back to how i lived after i was baptized and i'm not sure it took do you know what i mean now don't run back up to the baptistry i baptism once is is all you need but what i'm saying is i think i started the process with faith Baptism was part of the process. I think if I'd have died, I'd have gone to heaven because of grace. Don't get me wrong. But it, I think I'm still being saved. I think I'm still being transformed. I think I'm more saved today than I was a couple of weeks ago. And the older I get, the more I'm willing to lay my body down uh, and go to glory. You know, it's, it's kind of after a while you start going, and that'll be it. Uh, uh, that, that, I'm done now. This... Is a process. This is, First Peter is a very thin place. It's another pulling back of the curtain and letting you see reality. Peter doesn't tell them something, which I find fascinating. He never tells them, you're going to go back and get your land and triumph. That was an Old Testament promise all the time. You'll get to go back. You will get your land again. Peter never says it. He doesn't tell them a Redeemer is coming. The Old Testament said that. Peter doesn't. That kind of message is now changed because we have a Redeemer. And our land isn't dirt. Our land is a reborn place called heaven. We have an inheritance, it waits for us while we are already receiving it. And if this is confusing to you, it's supposed to be because it's not easy it's not easy i i i listen to music i have all my life i collect music i'm a, a great student of of uh, musical history not so much the classical guys so if you come up to me with a mozart question i'm going to say wow wasn't he interesting uh, it's more folk music celtic americana bluegrass and the like and i was uh, reading the the bi- the biography of bill monroe the father of bluegrass this last week And I went, every time they'd mention a song, I'd go to YouTube, which God created on the eighth day so that you could do this, (laughs) and I would listen to that song, and so many of the songs are so wonderful, but they were so, we are here, and one day we will go there. We are here, and one day, and Peter is saying, here is there, live like it now. Live as citizens of heaven Now. Take a look. I know you guys thought I've deserted the notes entirely, uh, but let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 1 and start reading there. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time. Have you ever felt like you were serving time? Live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. I want to stop there, keep the slide up. Um, do you know what it's like to be a foreigner? Have you ever been a foreigner? Have you ever gone to another place and realized I'm eating with the wrong fork? I don't know what to do with my feet. I, I'm wearing the wrong clothes. Uh, I'm Every time we would pick anybody up at the airport that would come in to see us in Scotland, they'd climb in the wrong side of the car. And I'd look at them and then I'd say, what's in front of you? And they'd look up and go, oh, steering wheel. Yes, that's my seat. You have to move over now uh, unless you want to drive. And a couple of idiots said yes, and I wouldn't let them. Uh, but... You feel foreign. I've done it. I can remember being 17 and landing at Charles de Gaulle Airport in France, looking at, as we were taxiing up, all the cars in the parking lot, thinking, they've got a lot of foreign cars here. (laughs) Until it dawned on me, wait a minute, they're supposed to have French cars here. I'm, I'm I'm the guy climbing on the wrong side now. We are foreigners on this planet. If you feel really comfy in this planet, you might not be doing it right. For you know, it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you by your ancestors. Stop right there. The Jews were so proud of their ancestors. And, and aren't we all? We're not pecking on Jews there. Aren't we all? To some point, especially in America, we have, everybody seems to be related to a Cherokee princess. Uh, everybody I talk to, yes, yes, yes. I, I, I hate to break to him, Cherokees didn't have princesses, but they're, they're, everybody's related to one, so that's a very prolific woman, that one. Um, but we're very proud of our ancestors. But we, we were handed a way of life by them that didn't really get us where we needed to go. Let's keep moving forward. But with the precious blood of Christ, and we celebrated that, a lamb without blemish or defect. Let's go to the next passage. now. That you've been purified, you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth. Now, does that mean works? No. Obeying the truth means you believe in Jesus Christ and you live like it. So that you have... How do, how do you know you've got it? Sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. Just in case you thought, I'm the only one who always brings up love. No. It's everywhere in the Bible. The Bible is soaked with it. Love one another. If you're a visitor here today and you've not felt loved, then we have failed. I want you to let me know and I will assign somebody to love you. I will find a hugger. You might regret this decision. But we want you to feel loved here. Because if, if you don't feel loved, then we have not lived out our lives properly date. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable Through the living and enduring word of God. The word of God is Jesus Christ. Remember John chapter 1? For all, in quotes, all people are like grass and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Hold on to what lives forever. Stay with what lives forever. Peter goes on To tell the wandering christians that they're on solid ground but the world is not think of this the world is not on solid ground have you noticed how cracked up it is have you paid attention the world's cracked up think uh, my wife's from denver and when we were dating there was a brand new subdivision put out near where they lived and uh this was the upper middle class place to be this is where you wanted to move and everybody, we're, we're moving to this place. And it was, it was great, and the houses looked lovely for the first several months. And then cracks started in all of them. They had not done a proper geological survey, and they placed it on unsettled ground. You may not be aware of this. Mountains move. It's not like, watch out, they're coming, but they're, they move. In our house in Colorado Springs, they, I forgot, Cammy, how far, how far deep did they have to dig? De- drill those pillars do you remember it's like 20 or 30 feet wasn't it something i can't remember just to pillar the house so that the the rocky mountains didn't take it the world looks solid it isn't we are on solid ground think about that for a minute some of you are headed off to university some of you are, are back from university yay some of you have already experienced, perhaps experienced this for the first time. You bought books that were hugely, obscenely expensive so that your professors could talk to you about the evils of capitalism. Then, <laughs> at the, the ironies, the irony. Anyway, so at the end of the semester, they told you, you can sell those books back. <laughs> How was that experience? That was horrible, wasn't it? Absolutely, you know why? Used books, used academic books aren't worth much because things change. Our Bible is still hanging in there. You don't have to be ashamed of it. Almost everything I learned to get my doctorate, and it's a long word, psychoneuroimmunology, almost everything I learned Is now out of date or wrong I keep waiting for him to show up at the house and say hand it back (laughs) you're done now you're doing damage you need to be removed and I would get it I would understand yeah you're fair enough fair enough some of you are in electronics if can you actually buy an electronic device and get it home before it's out of date so why are we Basing our life on stuff that has a sell by date on it. Let's go solid. Let's go to something solid. I had a high school biology teacher who opened up a long thing on uh, no God. Uh, there's no God at all. We, we just got lucky somehow, and the explosion blew up, and something wiggled, and then you showed up. And, uh, and I, I would try to challenge that. And I'd say, You know, I understand what you're saying, but here's a hole, here's a hole. And she would go, Well, you know, and, and it went on like this for such a long time. And finally, one day I saw her in the hallway. And I'm just a little guy. Here's the teacher. And I, I, I said, I, can, I, can I ask you a question? I said, What do you believe? Here she was, she was an older lady. I was 15, so I, to me, she was 120. I, I have no idea how old she really was. I said, what do you believe? And she looked at me and she goes, I'm not sure I've figured out what I believe yet. And I wish I could have stopped it. I, I don't have good verbal breakage. I said, better Hurry. It was unkind. It was being a bit of a jerk. But I was concerned that she needed to sort this out. The finals were coming. I had an old lady once tell me whenever, I said, every time I see you, you're reading your Bible. She said, I'm cramming for the finals here's the thing most people don't know what they believe they're just ticking time bombs they belong to the last person that spoke or the loudest person that spoke or the person wearing the most jewelry that spoke get on solid ground hang with Jesus then chapter 2 Jesus is our cornerstone now a lot of people think of cornerstones as that little block in some buildings that will say belt such-and-such time that's not a cornerstone In Peter's time, a cornerstone is what you would call a foundation stone. It's a stone upon which everything sits. And back then, they took stones very seriously. There's a Baalbek stone, which you might want to look up. B-A-A-L-B-E-K, the Baalbek stone, which they didn't finish cutting out before they were wiped out. But it was 69 feet long, 12 feet wide, and 13 feet thick. We have, our modern cranes would have a hard time uh, left in it, but they believed in solid stone. Now take a look at First Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. As you've come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans. You know, they're going through saying, ah, oh, that one's not good. Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. By the way, some of you might want to put that on a T-shirt. If you've been rejected by humans... You are precious to God. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, the stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that causes them to fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. In other words, you are, you're expected to stumble if you disobey God. As C.S. Lewis put it, you don't break the commandments, they break you. If you choose to go against them, they will break you. God has set out a stone The chisel is being applied. And every stone is chipped and shaped to fit the cornerstone. Our lives have to be shaped, carved, chipped, and broken until we look like Jesus. And we should never be satisfied with anything less. I often, I guess I kid, but I'm not sure that's the right word because there's a lot of truth to it. When people say they have a big honey dude list, that Cammie has a honey-don't list for me, because she has standards, high standards, and I don't. Who knew wallpaper was supposed to match and line up? Um, it's, it's on the wall. You know, um, that's, it's wall, it's paper, paper's on the wall. We're done here. And so I'm not allowed to do much. And she has very, very high standards, which she should she is not satisfied until it's right and that's the way god wants us to be about our life with him don't coast anymore i'm i'm just going to go out on a limb here but if you've not changed your mind about anything in the last 30 40 years what's been why are you sucking up oxygen what's the point of your life isn't it supposed to be growing isn't it supposed to be changing I know my grandson's churches won't look like my church. They're not supposed to. They're supposed to grow and change. We don't bury our treasures in the ground and give them back to God unchanged. We put them at risk and put them at work in the world and see what he does with them. That's the point of that parable, by the way. When you feel the blow of the chisel, Peter tells them and us, know that God is at work. Let him shape you. Peter calls us something in this book three times. Strangers or exiles or foreigners. Here's another one in chapter two. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. I read a lot of atheist literature, and the atheist community is sharply divided into several groups right now, and they are war, at war with each other more than they are with believing believers. One of the groups, a man just came out and wrote it, and he said, I thank God for Christians. And he says, I don't believe in God, but he says, I've traveled the world. And you go through Africa, it's the Christians that are digging the wells, it's the Christians that are setting up the orphanages. It's the Christians that are feeding the poor. You go into other places, it's the Christians that are ending slavery. It's the Christians that are stopping human trafficking. And he says, even if there is no God, I'm glad there are Christians. And that was a brave thing to say. Interesting little firestorm came after that one. But when was the last time you saw a hospital to say nobody's up there? So even do so much good that even if they don't like you, they can't find anything to say bad about you. We are to be obviously different from those that are earthbound, because we are ascending. We are to shine by our behavior, which remember, chapter one, verse twenty-two, based on love. In fact, love them so much. Chapter three deals a lot with this, that they can't find a way to hate you. And while you're here, don't be afraid. There is a reason why we've been told hundreds of times in the Bible, fear not. If we suffer, if you suffer, then Peter says, suffer for doing good. It's just another chisel. It's just another way to shape you into something. I have no concept of carving stone or wood. And yet I've watched people do it. I've seen people do ice sculptures. And I'm thinking, how do you see that? How do, you, how do you see it? God sees it in you. He's chipping away. Look at chapter 2, verse 21 through 24. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. There's going to be some suffering, Peter says. No false triumphalism here. He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled his, their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered... He made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins. It means to be separated from them and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Peter, speaking to Jews, is quoting extensively out of the Old Testament. And then he speaks of baptism, saying that baptism saves us like the ark saved Noah. It's kind of hard then to say you don't need to be baptized. It'd be kind of like believing in the ark, but not getting in it. That's not going to help you. You you need to be baptized. And if you've not been baptized, I hope you talk to us. Because we won't run you through a whole bunch of classes and questions. We'll just ask you, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? If if yes, then yes, be baptized. that's, That's enough. Let's get the process going. But what are we saved for, Peter asked so that we might glorify God regardless of what's happening. Glorify God. And as you suffer, instead of yelling insults at God and blaming Him, remember our enemy and blame sin. Take a look at this, chapter 4, 1 and 2. I said 4, didn't I? Chapter 4. Therefore... Since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Get your attitude right. Because whoever suffers in a body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Isn't it time we were just done with sin? Isn't it time? Don't we know by now it's not good for us? It hurts every single generation. When are we going to get the memo? This does not work. And then there's some final advice for living in this world or being a part of the text. Love one another, but pay attention. Keep your head on a swivel. My son in the Marine Corps would always kind of text or, or call or email or somehow signal. He'd say, keep your eyes open and your head on a swivel. That's just the way they tell each other, watch out. Make sure you're covered. Peter does the same thing. Take a look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7-11. through The end of all things is near. That means the things that we're used to. It doesn't mean the planet. It means the way that we do things. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Brothers and sisters, I have a multitude of sins. I need love to cover that. And I promise you in return, I will love love you so much, I'll cover yours. Offer hospitality to each other without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one that speaks the very words of God. Remember, we are priests. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ, To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to ask Mark and his team to come back up. I appreciate the way he's mixed things up today for us. That was fun. But for the rest of us, I want to use Peter's words as an admonition. So would you stand, please? Here is our admonition before we go out this week. Got to find my narrow slot. (laughs) Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. By the way, they always get the one that strays. Stay with the group. Resist him standing firm in faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering and the God of all grace who called you to eternal glory in Christ after you've suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Read this with me. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen.